Welcome to the Faith and Grief Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and grief. I'm your host, Shelley Craig, Program Director at Faith and Grief. We're a nonprofit that provides grief support programs in person and online through support gatherings, grief workshops, and retreats. Find out more about our programs and this podcast at faithandgrief.org. We hope the stories and interviews you hear provide some comfort and hope on your grief journey. So we were just going to talk a little bit about um, some more stories, um, so we gather that, and then talking a little bit about the difference between what people think music therapy is and what it is as far as most, I would say, outside a clinical setting, think of music therapy as somebody wandering the halls, uh, you know, conducting a magical uh, you know, a performance. Like a troubadour. Like a troubadour. Thank you. There, That's the right <laughs> word. That's the right word. Just a little traveling musician. Yeah. So, Jennifer, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about the difference between what people may have seen, you know, because y- you've certainly seen where, you know, celebrity singers or whatever come and sing, you know, to someone in the hospital or sometimes at hospice. Um, and what that is compared to what you do on a daily basis as a musical therapist. I think it's important to, to realize that music therapists are, um, they are different from the volunteer musicians uh, that come in. I think volunteer musicians play a huge role, and volunteers uh, just across the board play a huge role in hospice care. We couldn't operate without our volunteers. Uh However, a volunteer musician, they may have varying degrees of musical skill, uh, and they're, they're not necessarily trained in the advanced ways that we might use music to address specific needs, such as reducing pain or anxiety in a patient. Uh, and and they, volunteers are not trained to recognize when music may cause harm to a patient. Mm. Because, you know, I know we all think of music as something wonderful that we can, we can all benefit from. However, I have been in situations where it was, not the, it was not the best course of action for that person on that day. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and music brings up memories and thoughts, and sometimes just in wherever, whatever stage they are in diagnosis or end of life, it can complicate it can, and you have to be able to verbalize and 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 kind of go with the patient. And if you if you do something that brings up a memory or a tear or or some or an unpleasant memory, maybe uh, you have to be able to verbalize with them and and talk through them with it, you know, and and kind of kind of be there with them and be present and actively listen to what's what they're saying uh, and and I don't know that volunteers are always necessarily trained to be able to do that to the extent that a music therapist would be yeah. mm-hmm. and it, is that uh, is that part of your training as a musical therapist to um, as part of as part of music therapy kind of the therapy part of your training how what, how is that part of your training I guess is what I'm getting at learning to be present and to validate Mm. and what it means to be an active and compassionate listener and music can bring up so many things and someone might pour their heart out and you need to be there to help them kind of sort through that or to witness and be there for them 
whereas a performer might trigger a trauma response or they might trigger some horrible memory and then the performer's done and says, all right, see you later, thanks for having me, and then leave them there to pick up the pieces on their own. And so we're there to help support them and to guide them into perhaps getting an insight about what they're experiencing that they might not have noticed before or right. to make meaning. Uh, I like that, to make meaning yeah. out of what uh, what is what the activity is and the song that they may be listening to or being a part of. And Jennifer, you were talking about one of your patients. Um, I, I asked earlier before we started taping um, about uh, some stories around uh, just different stories of patients that you've worked with that have kind of touched your heart. And you were talking about one of your patients that loved um, the drum machine. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about the Faith Wish program. I love that. Yes, I had a patient and he, we had a, a I believe it's called a tongue drum, right? And it's, uh, it's pitched with different notes and, you play it with a mallet, and I would bring this drum in, and he lit up when he saw the drum, and I, you know, you would give him the mallet, and he would play on the drum. Sometimes would be fixated on one particular note, <laughs> but he would play that drum. I mean, sometimes that was all we did was was the drum. And then I uh, had a student with me at one time, and she had perfect pitch, and she said, oh, he's playing a G. And she looked at me and she said, do you know any songs in that key? And I, and it dawned on me what she was asking. And I, oh, yes. And so it didn't matter what we played as long as it was in that key he was playing in. <laughs> it sounded perfect. And, and for about an hour, we played every song I knew in that key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we actually did a faithful wish for this gentleman uh, in that uh, faith purchased a drum similar to the one I would bring to his home and it was for him to keep it as his own so he could play whenever uh when I couldn't be there right mm-hmm. I love that so the the faithful wishes um is that uh program through faith presbyterian hospice uh, where staff can help support families and patients with different kind of wishes kind of like make a wish I would yes sort of yeah, it, it really is. I, I, I've been a part of two Faithful Wishes, um, the drum, and then another woman uh, who was in a facility, and she had no family. And consequently, there was really no one coming to visit this person. And I noticed she always had the same clothes on, and she only had one sheet and no pillow and, you know, just things that you notice and so for her faithful wish, we bought her clothes and some yarn so she could crochet and a pillow and a nice plushy comforter and a big teddy bear and just the niceties and the comforts uh, so she could make that room her own wow. and, and be kind of like her home away from home. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love the idea of that program, That's it, especially in that story. Um kind of creating a home away from home and, and just adding to the comforts mm-hmm. that a hospice can provide. And 
and you know, hospice as homey as it can be, um, it's still a clinical setting. So um, if you're inpatient and you're there, so anytime you can uh, soften it up a bit, I'm sure it's good for the patients. The pictures really said it all. When we brought the lady her home away from home kit, she was opening the bag and she would pull something out and then she started to get teary. And then every time she would pull something else out, her tears would get a little bit heavier and then she'd be oh I can't believe you remembered this and I can't believe you thought of that and then by the end of it we were all crying but it was happy tears yeah and then we all got together for a a picture and she's holding her yarn and her teddy bear and she's just smiling from ear to ear I Christmas day couldn't have been any better it was just wonderful yeah yeah I love that well that just to me is a perfect example of how much you and the rest of the staff care about the people that um, you take care of mm-hmm. and serve on a regular basis, whether it's uh, with music or other other things. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's Jennifer really cool. even uh, crochets oh, yeah? hats, and she gives them to her patients. And there was one patient that, that we both had, um, you in the home setting, and then this patient would come to the inpatient unit. And was always wearing the hat that you made her. Oh, my gosh. So, so precious. Well, especially because it's, gosh darn it, it's cold in those places. I love that. Thank you for doing that, sharing your other gifts, Jennifer. (laughs) Well, a girl can only have so many hats, and then you have to start gifting. (laughs) But it was so sweet, and it was so meaningful to the family, too. And every time I went to go see her, she was wearing that hat. Oh. See? We also have a program called We Honor Veterans, and mm-hmm. this dovetails onto the gentleman with the drum. Yeah. When we gifted him with the drum, we also recognized the fact that he was in the Navy, and our volunteer coordinator came with a with a plaque that honored him and his service Aww. in the Navy, and there was a, a, a flag, a pin, and, uh, and this gentleman was nonverbal. He, he never spoke. In the five years I saw this gentleman, mm-hmm. he never spoke. And so when we gave him the plaque honoring his service in the Navy, he looked at it and he went, huh, and smiled really big. And and that was huge because yeah. he never spoke. But that, it, that really got a response. Like someone actually wants to thank me for what I did for my country. And he was just doing what he had to do. But, and now someone wants to thank me for it. It was almost like that. Yeah. You know, it was, it was really an honor to be there for that. Oh, that is so mm-hmm. cool. I love that. I know everyone's getting a little misty now. <laughs> yes, here in the studio, we do have tissues, but I think they're in the other room. Well, um, you were going to share uh, a song a minute ago, and uh, we were talking about, do we listen to the whole song or do we just listen to the snippet? Snippet's great because it kind of gets us going. Tell us what the song, what the story is around the song and uh, the patient that, that would request it or uh, ask for it. I was in a facility uh, visiting a lady, and uh, we were there, and her husband had come along for music that day, and he said, just play, you know, Play whatever you want. It was a singer's choice day. And so I was playing music from from her era. And uh, she she and her husband had been married a lifetime. And 
you know, they were of a certain age. And so I was playing and a song came to mind and I'll do a little of it for you here. I think that some of the listeners might know it, maybe. Let me call you sweetheart, I'm in love with you. Let me hear you whisper that you leave you hanging right there (laughs) as we were singing that song the lady that I was there for uh, started tapping her toes just real lightly tapping her toes she never spoke but those toes were moving and her husband noticed it and he stood up and went and got in front of her and he grabbed both of her hands and they gently swayed back and forth and back and forth like they were dancing and then I finished the song and when they looked up the husband had tears in his eyes and he shook his head and he said that's the first time in 30 years I have danced with my wife oh, wow. and I couldn't be more proud to be part of that moment yeah yeah such a privilege you both have to be in those quiet times and quiet spaces with people, those intimate um, times, just that's a perfect example. You know, they hadn't danced together in 30 years, and you've given them that opportunity before their loved one dies. And something that I'm sure he remembers probably way after that. Um, It's so special. Are there any other stories that you'd want to share about kind of those intimate moments like that where you've been with a patient or the family and they've sort of maybe seen some uh, communication from the loved one that they may not have seen in a while or just having that space to, you know, just be with their loved one. What about the gentleman in the guitar? But the pictures that you did. The what? At the unit and your picture. It's on our flyer. Aww. <laughs> so uh, there are so many stories. I, so it, it's, I mean, like pulling one is like, I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm putting you on the spot no, here. But no, it's, it's like, okay. Yeah. We had a very sweet, sweet gentleman. Um, he was... Nonverbal by the time that I saw him, mm-hmm. and uh, from another country, so English was not something that he probably would have understand, anyways. Mm-hmm. Understood, um, and um, oh, I'm thinking of a different one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we have. <laughs> okay, so I have all of these stories are now flooding me. So there was this gentleman who didn't speak English, and um, he was end stage Alzheimer's, I think, and his mm-hmm. his wife was with him. And um, I didn't know any music of his culture 
or of his faith or even in his language. And Mm -hmm. so I came to the room with another instrument called a reverie harp Mm -hmm. that we use. It's just very therapeutic type of playing. And um, this, this man had not been responding to anything really. He would kind of have a blank stare, Mm -hmm. but I would play it for him and his eyes would open and then he would look at it and then he would try to play it and his hand would just strum lightly over the strings and and then he gave me a thumbs up oh, and wow. all of the family that was in there was like he's not given a thumbs up to anyone in a long time that's a big deal and his wife got all teary and and I invited her to hold his hand to help him play so that he could play on one side of the harp and I could play on the other and we could just kind of be musicking together right. <laughs> in the moment and it was really sweet and and I saw him so many times during his his time at the unit mm-hmm. and he would recognize me when I would come back in the next time because he would light up when he saw me and he yeah. would make a like a strumming motion on his instrument and it was just remarkable to see um, that kind of recognition in someone who was at that stage of his decline to to be cognizant of that and right, to right. want to participate and it was a real special thing for the family yeah it's so true that it's what like my Angelou says um, it's not what you say but how you make someone feel that makes them remember you yes. and he doesn't know your name you know, or may not anyway, no. but he knows that little bit of joy that he experienced the first time, and the fact that he might get to experience again brings all those, all that come rushing back. It's, I know you you recognize the privilege that you both have being there with these families and getting to see these little moments. Um, I, I just think it's such a gift to give the families and the patients as well. Um, But how has that affected you personally as a music therapist? Have you been surprised? I think it kind of makes me, it gives me pause because when you think about the end of life, I think it's, we're all going to be there someday. And it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how much money you made, it doesn't matter what kind of influence you had, it doesn't matter what connections you might have made, one day we will all be reduced to the people surrounding our bedside. Mm -hmm. And so how do you want that to look and and who would you want to be there and who would you allow into that space? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about that and I think what a privilege and an honor it is to be invited to be a part of that space right. with a family. Not just a patient, but a, but an entire family. I had been in the unit uh, like Kathleen, and I've walked in, and there were uh, the patient is in the bed, and, and her husband is laying next to her in the bed, and the children are all surrounding the bed, and you get there, and instead of asking you to leave, they invite you in to become a part of their experience. Right. And it's just, it's a, it, there's nothing more precious than that. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I agree. I think another part of music therapy 
um, it helps build the legacy of that person. Mm. It really helps build a legacy. I've got another example for you. Her name was Jane, and Jane was was this fiery little redheaded <laughs> lady. She little tiny thing. I she was she probably could have fit in my guitar bag, <laughs> and she had fire engine red hair. Awesome. And she would come to the door with her little cane, and she would come to the door and let me in. And she had a song. And it might be the only song we did, but she had a song. And I'd come in, and I'd, I'd ask how she was doing, and, and she'd give me a big hug, and, oh, I'm doing fine. And then she'd say, you going to play my song? And I said, absolutely. And this was her song, and then I will tell you why. Five foot two, eyes of blue, but oh, what those five foot could do? Has anybody seen my gal? <laughs> and it goes on from there. Yeah. But she said, you know, that's my song. And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, you know why that's my song? And I said, no. And she said, well, I used to be five foot two, but I think I've shrank since then. <laughs> so we would do her song, and then Jane would tell me stories, and phenomenal stories. And she would tell me about when she went to Texas Women's University, only it was called the Texas State College for Women. And you couldn't wear pants. You had to wear a dress with pantyhose, except <laughs> when you were going to physical education class, and then it was okay to wear pants. And she told me about the tunnels underneath the university that they used to travel, you know, through to get yeah, from sure. place to place. And, you know, she told me about being in World War II as a nurse. And they used to go out behind the, uh, wherever they were, and they would smoke cigarettes. And they <laughs> would they would sing songs and talk about all the things they were going to do whenever they got home from the war. And it occurred to me one day that that's what she needed was someone to, tell her legacy to you she right. needed she needed to share her her legacy and her memories and so I got a notebook and I started writing it down and she would dictate and she really got into it too and she'd say are you getting all this or do I need to back up <laughs> you know and when she passed away her son asked me to sing five foot two at her memorial service mm -hmm. and I was able to present him with this ring binder full of memories that wow. his mother had shared with me. Wow. And I, to this day, I, I was just a brand new music therapist. And to this day, that's one of the most powerful uh, moments I can remember was giving him that notebook and watching him flip through it and the tears, you know, and, and, and incredibly grateful. You, you just have no idea how grateful he was to have that because some of those stories he'd never heard. Well, yeah. And, and that's, always the interesting thing you know our relationship to somebody is just ours and so and usually especially like a mother son he's probably not going to hear all the crazy stories of when she was a nurse in world war ii you know she probably didn't tell him those stories because it felt inappropriate or you know i'm mom i'm not going to tell you those uh, you know kind of and i'll tell uh, you something about music therapy yeah. uh in particular people are more apt to open up quicker when music is involved because you've touched a chord within that person whatever yeah. song that is or whatever melody 
you know, it, it might be you've, you've touched that person mm-hmm. and they will open up quicker to you and you develop a deeper relationship faster. And then compounding that with the fact that sometimes it's easier to unload and share with a complete stranger than it is with your own folks. So if you put all of that together, um, I think it goes back to your question about the difference between uh, musicians and music therapists. Mm -hmm. And music therapists are are more equipped to deal with the, the other stuff that comes up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's your example there is perfect. You've got the music that's made that connection with the patient, even the family members that may be around when you're visiting. Um, that is so core. I mean, it's such a core part of being human. But then you have the therapy piece as well where you can help people with their emotions, um, whether they're, they're verbal or not, um, sort of be there and witness that for them. Um, I think it's a lovely a wonderful gesture that you took all those stories down for this uh, for for Jane, um, because those are so important. We don't get those, and like you said, sometimes it is easier uh, for maybe not family and friends to be the one that someone can confide in and tell those stories to. And the fact that they become easily connected with you with your skills in music. It's not surprising that they feel comfortable enough to tell you those stories, too. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. I love that. Anything like that, Kathleen, you want to share a story? I know I flooded your head full of stories earlier. No, it's so. okay. I, I was thinking of so many at the same time. Yeah. Um, I had one that turned into kind of a legacy project mm-hmm. um, when I was in my internship. Actually, yeah. I had like two legacy projects. Um, I was able to do that more with the folks that I visited at home because I would see them for longer periods. Um, And one of them was a sweet, sweet, sweet lady. And she had Alzheimer's and um, very quiet, very reserved. But when you would do one of her favorite songs, she would sing along all the words and and you just kind of unlock that part of her again. And then we would reminisce about something that the song reminded her about. And she would suddenly go from being quite um, reserved to spouting off stories. And so we would invite the rest of the family to be in the room with us, sometimes Uh hearing the stories for the first time (laughs) about how she was the pro camper at Big Bend. Or she was the best at keeping her Gerber daisies blossoming or like all of these things and her shopping and, and all of this stuff would just kind of flood out Mm -hmm. because the songs that, that we did kind of helped jog that memory. And then she was so inspired. So one of the things that we did, uh, one of her favorite songs was my favorite things from the sound of music. Sure. And (laughs) one of my favorites too. (laughs) Yeah. It's so sweet. Yeah. And we had this, this realization, like what if we rewrote the lyrics to be about her favorite things that had its own challenges? Because if we would just ask her like, what are some of your favorite things? She would say, I'm sorry, I don't remember. So the family would get involved. We would do songs to help kind of jog her memory. Mm -hmm. And once 
there was like a stream of consciousness of all of these different things that we li- uh, that she likes sure. her favorites. We would write them down, and then um, her granddaughter helped me with craft the lyrics to fit the song. Love it, and um, we recorded it for them, and I presented it to them in, in a framed. Um, like the lyrics were printed off on some nice paper and framed. And I presented it to them and I said, I want to record this and I want for her voice to be on the recording mm-hmm. to introduce the song. So oh, she would say fun. her name and it would be, you know, my favorite things. And I was going to sing it. And I started playing and I started singing and she started singing. <laughs> and it was so unexpected because she had never sung with us before. Right. She had heard it several times, her version, but I had presented her with the framed copy, and she was sitting there reading along and singing it with me, and we captured the whole recording of her singing oh, with me, and we shared that with the family, and one of the next times that I went to go visit, they had the framed part of the lyrics on their memory wall, in the middle of their living room and it was a really special thing i love that well i I just think that both examples speak to the care that you both offer your patients and what hospice can provide families and those at the end of life Um, it doesn't have to be just clinical Um, it can be very spiritual Mm -hmm. and very soul-filled and in both cases, precious legacy um, examples that I encourage people all the time, if there's a way to capture those stories, to find a way. And music is just such a lovely way to sort of introduce it and encourage it. It's just great. I know that Kathleen has one more story because I was, <laughs> she was still my intern at the time, and we went to see this gentleman. And, um, oh, yeah. And I'm going to let you tell it, but I'm going to say, you know, the music that Kathleen and I do, it, it's, it's miles apart. I mean, it depends on the age right. of your patient. And I'm over here singing, Let Me Call You Sweetheart, and, you know, things like that, and Five Foot Two. But um, Kathleen, I, well, I want you to share the story of that gentleman that we went to go see. Do you know who I mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> and the first thing he asked you to play was... Was it Chicago? <laughs> and I just kind of stared at Jennifer like, I don't have any Chicago in my repertoire. And then I would ask like, what else do you like? He said, Trisha Yearwood. I don't have that either. What else do you like? Garth Brooks. And so, and I was very early on in my internship. Sure. And so my repertoire was very limited. And it was one of those things where I just felt completely unprepared. Completely what do I have to bring to this music therapy experience for him? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was feeling really self-conscious, but we were able to bond quickly. Uh, He loved music so much. He even had like a music man cave in his house. (laughs) They invited me to go see it once, and he would tell me stories about all the different guitars on his wall and all of this stuff. And... um, I learned those songs for him, and he felt heard. I would sing them for him, and he said, I love that you are 
taking the time to to know what I like because mm-hmm. it's obviously not something that you were listening to before. <laughs> 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 but what was is very very special about um, about him and the visits that happened after that was he had a dying wish and that was he had been wanting to write a song to be sung at his service wow um and i wanted to help him with that and we started the whole conversation of you know have you already started do you have a song in mind Mm -hmm. do have you where are you in this process and he said, you know, I really don't know, but I love the song Let It Be mm-hmm. by the Beatles. So we talked um, through some possibilities and how, you know what, what if we kind of rewrote the lyrics to Let It Be? And it can reflect your journey about mm-hmm. your life and then um, your, your illness and then where you'll be later and looking down on your family. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we did. So for the next several weeks, and, and he was receiving one-time weekly visit, and he asked me, can we please do two times a week? And and I noticed he was starting to have his decline, yeah. and I said, this is really important to him. This is a project that he needs to have closure on. Right. We need to finish this. Um, and we did. We rewrote a lot of the lyrics to let it be, and he said, okay, I want my family to sing this. I want my nephews, grandkids, everyone who is able to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had one of his, his young family members came in and self-taught piano. Oh, gosh. And... And we invited him, and then I showed him a very simplified way how to play the chords to let it be with just one hand. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's kind of where we ended. And then I, I sent a video to them so that he, he could have something to practice. Yeah. Um, like, here, play along with this. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman um, was transferred to the inpatient unit and passed. Mm-hmm. And... They did not have a service for him because it was the depths of COVID. Mm. And I kept in in contact with his spouse. Um, And just recently, a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. so so this was last year, early last year. So now a couple weeks ago, I got a phone call from his spouse saying, we have set a date for his memorial now that it is okay to have you know, a certain amount of people and they're vaccinated and we have a space that's open enough. And and we would like for his song to be part of the service. Can you please help us? And she brought two more family members to the inpatient unit, to our spiritual center. Mm-hmm. We used the piano there and I re-taught him the parts. Mm-hmm. And there was another member of the family um, who plays upright bass. Oh, cool. She said, yeah. I want to be in this too. So I wrote out the bass part for her and printed it off, and we had like a little mini practice session together. Sure. And um, and then I made a recording of me singing 
the lyrics so that she can share it with the rest of the family so that they can practice it. And we're planning um, soon to have all of those who want to participate to come back to the unit to have like a little dress rehearsal thing Mm -hmm. so that we can we can honor his wish to have that song at his service next month. Oh, wow. So and it was just so incredible to me that she reached out to me. I, it always was something lingering. Like, this was so important to him, and we never got to do it. Yeah. And now it is going to happen, and it's just so special. Yeah. I just want everyone to know that Kathleen has gone above and beyond. We have gone from You Are My Sunshine and Let Me Call You Sweetheart to Chicago to... Audio Slave. Audio I'm Slave. slave. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and she learns it, and... It doesn't matter what it is. You know, if she doesn't have it, she's got it the next time. Mm -hmm. And I think the best thing about Kathleen is the fact that she realizes that your first visit with a patient might be your only visit. It might be your last visit, too. Mm -hmm. And so she comes in as prepared as humanly possible. And she may not know anything but the diagnosis and the age of the patient. But she pulls it off and she finds a way to connect. And that's what you do. And... My hat is just off to her for what she does. And the the gentleman with Let It Be just illustrates everything. Absolutely. I mean, they're both, you've given so many awesome stories today. I mean, that's just as special as it gets. And I, I just, I think it just speaks to the commitment of you, Kathleen, Jennifer, really the whole staff um, trying to do the best um for your patients, for the families, and support them through what can be a difficult time, but with presence and care um, that they deserve. So thank thank you. Thank for you. Both, <laughs> thank both you. Of those two. Yeah. This was another one of my patients that I had um, initially at the unit during my internship, and then this, this person went back home. Mm. And I did some home visits for her um, several times, and then didn't hear from her for a long time. My internship ended. I think she might have left hospice service and then uh, recently came back on service. That's her. She knows. She knows what I'm talking about now. Ooh. Ooh, I just got chills. Um, and she came back on service, and she uh, was at the end of life. Mm. And at this time was no longer responsive, no longer able to communicate and there were some family members there and the first day that I saw her at the unit I asked what kind of music can I do this is what we did last time when I saw her a year ago and um family member said you know she's she really likes like a stone by audio slave and I looked (laughs) at her like really how does she know that song and and apparently it was a song that was meaningful for the both of them Ah. She loved it. The patient loved it. It was something they were able to bond over. Got it. Um, And so we listened to it that day on the Bluetooth because I said, I love that song. I've just never learned how to play it before. Um, And the next day, uh, I learned it, and I played it for her. When I had arrived, she was by herself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just felt like I had to do it for her anyways. But I remember thinking when I when I learned the song and I typed it all up, 
I took a picture of it on Facebook because I was proud of myself. And I said, this is what I'm learning now. Gone are the days of singing things like You Are My Sunshine and Clementine at the inpatient unit. (laughs) This is the kind of music that I'm being requested now often, often. Well, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Um, That next day I went in. I sang this for her. She was all by herself. I sang some other things. I sang Times Like These by the Foo Fighters and Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Mm -hmm. And then her family arrives right as I'm packing up. So they they missed all of that. And and I said, oh, I was just leaving. Is it okay? Would you like for me to, to sing something while you're still here? And they said, you know what? Yes, she used to sing You Are My Sunshine to me when I was little. I used to cuddle in bed with her and used to sing You Are My Sunshine. Sunshine. So I sang it for her. And it was very sweet. And then I said, are there any others that you mm-hmm. think would be super important for for you two to have in this, in this time? And she said, do you know the song Oh My Darling? And I said... You mean Clementine? Yeah. She said, yeah, whatever it's called. I said, I do. And in my head, I'm thinking, <laughs> how did this happen? Yesterday, I said, I don't do these songs anymore. And they got requested back to back for the exact same person that yeah. I learned like a stone. <laughs> it was incredible. So so we did those. Yeah. And, and I was giggly because I had also those in my repertoire that yeah. day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But um, here's just a little snippet of... Like a Stone by Audio Slave. On a cobweb afternoon in a room full of emptiness by a freeway, I confess I was lost in the pages of a book full of death. Reading how we die alone And if we're good, we'll lay to rest Anywhere we want to go In your house, I long to lovely thank so, you for sharing that very different from a lot of the songs that are also in our shared repertoire there's just kind of like a generational thing as the years go our patients get younger and their musical tastes also become you're gonna you get older and, and I said I don't know if I'm getting older or my patients are getting younger but you know when we first met this lady I was doing over the rainbow and what a wonderful world mm-hmm. and boy you can really see that where her emotions just kind of, I mean, they went from one place to somewhere else. Yeah. You know? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, and like you said, just sort of the full spectrum of music and emotion. Well, in, that teared me up. In oh. one life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, thank you guys so much. I'm so glad we've been able to share this time and our earlier recording together. And I'm looking forward to um, talking with you guys again, I'm sure. Uh, I would love that. Thank you so much. You bet. Would you like to be a podcast producer? Go to faithandgrief.org slash donate and support this podcast and the work that Faith and Grief does for those who are grieving.